outline. The depth of night. The pit of unknowing. Help us face this bleak night of the soul and embrace it as a womb of rebirth. Amen. worshiping at home, you are invited to light your candle of hope. 
do a different handle of hope. As a hopeful people of God, I invite you to pass the peace with one another by waving. gospel reading this morning is from the gospel according to Mark. It starts with the first verse, and it goes like this. The beginning of the good news about Jesus Christ, God's Son, happened just as it was written about in the prophecy of Isaiah. Look, I am sending my messenger before you. He will prepare your way, a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his paths straight. John was in the wilderness calling for people to be baptized to show that they were changing their hearts and lives and wanted God to forgive their sins. Everyone in Judea and all the people of Jerusalem went out to the Jordan River and were being baptized by John as they confessed their sins. John wore clothes made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. He announced... One stronger than I am is coming after me. I'm not even worthy to bend over and loosen the strap of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This Advent, we're going to be participating in a series called I Believe Even When. And the truth is that most of us are struggling, many of us are struggling to believe in the midst of what we are experiencing in our world.
It seems like life has gotten just a little bit harder. And so it comes time for Advent, where we hear stories of God, a God who is unexpected, who comes in the night, in the darkness, and who speaks. Over the next four weeks, we're going to hear the first words of every gospel, the introductions of the stories that tell us what did these people believe about God, even when? What do these people tell us about why God is important? Why is this good news? This morning's gospel is from Mark. And Mark, I'll admit, is my favorite gospel, so I'm a little partial to it. Mark is a story in the end about power. It's about people and power and how they choose to use their strength. Mark's is a story which is always asking questions of people and their use of power, of how they choose to wield that power, from the government of Rome to the temple priests and religious authorities to the friends Jesus chooses to hang around. Mark asks questions about power. You see, these questions pop up all over Mark's gospel. Who has the power in any given situation, and how is that strength being exercised? And is it by the person you would expect? And, Mark seems to ask, why doesn't Jesus just unleash the power of God, but instead choose to wait? You see, Rome was not a very nice place or people. Rome ran around puffing their chests out with overt displays of strength. We all have that classic image of a Roman gladiator in our minds, you know, the, the ones with the breastplates with over-exaggerated etched muscles into their skin. We've seen these um, on the beach with people with t-shirts and the fake abs, right? Like they ran around showing people how strong they were. Those breastplates, they were designed to be displays of physical dominance. It was meant to intimidate you, these fake muscles, to put you in your place, discourage you from trying to rebel. The strength was too overwhelming. Rome ran around declaring themselves to be hope. Now, at the same time, the temple priests and the religious authorities used their mastery of the religious system to hold people captive to a rigid, rule-based system where only certain people qualified. It was a point system. And it was a point system largely created by the same people who enforced them. You see how that system works? They created gatekeepers and hierarchies which were designed to put people in their place, to let you know exactly where you stood. It was a different kind of a power flex. It's not a physical strength, but of societal, psychological power over people. Now, Rome's euangelion, Rome's evangelism, declared that they were the good news. Isn't it good we're here, they would tell people, as they conquered them? Isn't it good for you that we're here, that our overwhelming power is here to keep you safe? It's good news, Rome would say, that we can oppress you, keep you safe. We are the good news. At the same time, the temple declared themselves to be the people of God, not the people of Israel, but the people in the temple, because they had the power of God in the temple, in that holy of holies. They had the visible symbols of God at their hands. They said, we will tell you what God says. 
We speak for God. There is no good news to hear outside of the system, outside of the rules. Come and play your shekels of silver and you can repent. Come and buy your pigeons and maybe then you can have access to the good news too. It's a story of power, of people who had strength, people who had authority, who were dominant, who could stamp out hope or good news anywhere that they saw fit. It's a story about strength. And the truth is that Rome's story of strength, it's all a lie. It's false. Rome's good news isn't good news. Good news isn't about power or strength, as Rome would say, that because we're strong, we are true. There's lots of kinds of strength. Power isn't just found in the hands of those who are the biggest and the tallest, who can run the fastest or the farthest. Strength doesn't mean refusing to ask for help or to isolate yourself from others. Power isn't being the loudest voice in the room. There are varieties of power. Physical strength is certainly one type of power. We can turn on the TV this afternoon and we'll be filled with images of strong, powerful men, at least at our house, participating in feats of strength. From the Ninja Warrior to Titan Games to the Strongest Man competitions to Sunday afternoon football, we are bombarded with images of strong men who declare that this is what it means to be strong. This is power. But the truth is we know there are other kinds of strength. Psychological or mental strength is just as valuable. And I don't mean this means you're the smartest person in the room. I mean that you are able to encounter difficulties and challenges and apply resolve. That you have a strength of will to overcome and work through obstacles. We're often told that strong people don't question, they don't search, they don't change their minds. That power means control over how we think, about how our minds work, when we know we don't really have control over that. Strength, we're told, is never being uncertain and never ever admitting we are wrong. There's also emotional and social strength that's equally powerful, and I'm talking here about the ability to draw upon a wide range of relationships. The ability to provide some kind of emotional, social nurture to others who are in need. The power to choose the right word. To hear unspoken messages underneath a conversation. To be a shoulder people know they can rely on. It's a kind of strength. Emotional strength is the ability to ask for help when you need it. To be vulnerable enough to admit you are hurt to see others well enough to see their need, even when they are unwilling to admit it. Strength comes in all kinds of forms, none of which are what Rome claimed. Dominance isn't strength. Loudness isn't strength. The temple priests were wrong. Control, rigidity isn't power, at least not the kind from which good news comes. Mark's gospel begins with this statement. This is the good news of the people of God. This is the evangelism, the euangelion of God, the good news. And modern readers miss the barb. 
the narrative flipping nature of the statement. You see, in biblical Israel, people would have heard those words every day from Rome, from the temple. And Mark declares that none of that stuff is good news. Rome isn't good news. The temple isn't good news. God is good news. Jesus Christ is good news because Jesus Christ is hope. Jesus Christ comes to bring hope. And this is the good news of the people of God. See, both John and Jesus turn away from overt shows of strength. Both men are called to be prophets, to speak the words of God, to name for their community that which is truth. And both show their power through lives of humility, of service, from changing their minds when change is what's needed. A willingness to see others. The good news of God is that strength is found in the choice to see hope in the midst of despair. John's voice is one of strength from the midst of wilderness. John is the son of a temple priest. He didn't have to go into the desert to live a life of humbleness, to speak those words in the river valley. John's voice comes from the wilderness because this is where he finds strength. It's the way he lives as a voice of change. He chose another form of power, different from that which is expected from him. He chose to be a voice in the wilderness where faith is cultivated and strengthened. John's power comes from his repentance, from whom his willingness to make an active choice not to buy into doom and destruction, to believe the lie of physical strength is the only strength. John's strength isn't derived from the choice. John's strength is derived from the choice to see a different path, a new way of understanding and seeing God. John invites people to change their point of view and hear a different kind of good news. Repentance, John preaches, is itself an act of power. When people turn their minds more and more to God's good news and away from the false promises in their society, this is God's hope. John chooses to live in contradiction. And his plan of repentance illuminated the countryside in a way which drew people from Jerusalem to the wilderness. They were drawn to a man on the margins with a message. It's a different kind of power, a different kind of good news, and it brings value to all of those who live in the midst of those margins who don't have traditional seats of power. Not for the first time in the Bible, the world is changed by the quiet voice of John in the wilderness. A voice like Elijah and Jeremiah. A voice like Hagar and Ruth. All unseated from traditional seats of power, all given status because they chose hope in the midst of despair. True power is found in those who choose to act into hope even when they find themselves in the wilderness. Now, hope isn't optimism or the refusal to be honest about the reality of your situation. Hope is the choice to see a different option, even ones which are painful. On August 1st, 2020, the Sarah K. Evans Plaza is going, it was opened in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, and it's a permanent symbol of hope. 
Evans was known formally as Private Evans, is now 91 years old. And she reflected recently on an unremarkable event which led to public attention. Only recently. See, in 1952, Private Evans was on her way home from her first military assignment when she refused to move to the back of the bus. Upon refusing, she was taken to jail and detained for 13 hours. And she sued the Interstate Commission for discrimination. She won a judicial victory of 1955. The ruling was never enforced. This is power she had. It's based in humility and humbleness. It's the choice to see a different possibility than one which surrounds you. It's not positivity, but it's seeing truth, making a different choice. Or what about Brian Wallach, who is living with ALS? He created a Twitter feed which documents his progression with the disease. Um, he tweeted this morning this way. He said, there are, if I'm honest, many days where I entertain just giving up and letting ALS do its thing. In those moments, I ask, how do I want my daughters to remember me? And I slowly but surely pick myself up again. This is strength. This is hope. He acknowledges the reality of his disease. He knows what's going to happen to his body. He knows how it affects his life, his family, that it took his choices away from him. And he is choosing to share the honest reality of his experience. He is a voice in the wilderness saying that he doesn't have a choice in the progression of his disease. He does have a choice in how he lives out the rest of his life and the attitude he carries through it. Or take the words of Graham, who is a 76-year-old from New Zealand. He was interviewed recently for the Stories of Strength project. You should go on, just Google Stories of Strength. It'll pop up, and there's just endless stories. And when they asked him his story of strength, he said this. He said, there's different types of strength, and there's strengths in the way you behave yourself. It's to know how to do things. It's strength in your manners. There's strength in your well-being. Strength is to put food on the table for my family. And I got married, and that was hard and an achievement. And then I went to work, and I got paid every week, and I had enough to buy a house and to look after my children. And now my children have got children. And this is strength, he says. Strength is the choice to live every day and make choices. He went to work every day. He took care of himself. He contributed to his community. It's a story of power and the everyday choice to get out of bed and to make the next right choice. Power is found all around us every day. It's the ability to believe, to hold fast to our faith, that despite the barrenness of our surroundings, the challenges of the everyday, we put one foot in front of the other. And maybe it's down a different path than before, one that's scary, and we only take one tentative step at a time, but power is knowing that you need to make a new choice and following through. Hope is seeing God at work, even when the world is dark. Let's choose hope.
As I gather people of God, we lift up our thoughts and prayers to God this day. We offer them up in our hearts and minds, in our prayers, and in those chat boxes as we worship. I invite you to get in a comfortable place, to be as quiet and still as you can. I invite you to take a deep breath as we prepare for a time of prayer. Almighty God, it is your will that all nations should live in harmony and understanding with one another. We ask you to look mercifully upon the world of our day heal the sorrows and sufferings of all. 
We pray for our own political leaders and all in whom rests great responsibility at this time. Give them wisdom to make the right decisions, courage to fulfill them, and perseverance to continue their efforts to establish peace and promote the welfare of all humanity to the glory of your name. We pray now for those who live alone. Be with them, Lord, if they are separated from loved ones by bereavement or in a solitary life, chosen or enforced. Let their inner resources of love be strong enough to withstand isolation and loneliness. Help us all to love and by our love to transform the unloved. Inspire us to use our influence for those who are lonely, weak, or underprivileged. When we are ill, Lord, it is easy for us to become frightened. It is frightening when we don't know what is wrong with us and fear it could be serious. Sometimes pain is frightening because we are not used to it and can't stop it. Sometimes, Weakness is frightening because we feel we will never be strong again. We pray for all who are sick, in pain, or frightened for any reason. In this moment of silence, we bring to you those we know who are unwell. Merciful Father, accept these prayers in the name of the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Believe with a hopeful heart. Believe and shine your light. Believe because the song we sing is sung for all. And now let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich because of what our God has done for us. Believe. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow wrote this poem at Harvard on Christmas Day in 1863 during the heart of the Civil War. His wife had died tragically in a fire, and he had just found out that his son had been injured as a soldier for the Union. He heard the sound of bells and began to write, spurred on by his sorrow at the state of humankind. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to all. And yet hope wins out as he pens the fourth verse. 
Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does not sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to all. You are invited to pick up this week's candle. Oop, not me, because that puts wax everywhere. Okay. You at home can invite, pick up your candle <laughs> and lift it up high for the benediction. We wait for justice, but we do not wait for change. We wait for restored health, but we do not wait to work for healing. We wait for wholeness, but we do not wait to work at binding relationships. We wait for peace, but we do not wait to work to eliminate hatred. And so my friends, like bells ringing out the news in the sun, still shines on cloudy days that fills the night by, with sadness, with the message of hope. Go into your lives this week humming the tunes that keep hope alive in you, that spur you on in your work of justice and reconciliation. I invite you now to raise your voices and repeat after me. Do not be afraid. God is with me. Now stand and receive the benediction. May the grace of God, the love of Christ, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you now and into the life everlasting. Amen. Amen.